Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Happy Hour with the Founder. Uh, this is a series of interviews with some of the amazing startup founders we've come to know, uh, where we for advice, stories, the hard work required to build a startup. My name is Jody Page. Uh, uh, today, I'm joined by Connor Lee from Personas. Hi, Connor. How are you today? Hey, Jody. Doing well. Glad to uh, be on. Thank you. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining us and taking some time out. Uh, well, this is a happy hour interview. So, uh, did you have a chance to grab a drink? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, well, cheers to you, and here's to all your uh, success in whatever way you chose to define it. Cheers. All right, brother. Well, uh, listen. Uh, before we get into the conversation and, and the advice and things you might be able to share, maybe you can give a little bit of an elevator pitch about personas and, and quick background for the listeners, so they. Uh, who are not familiar with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we personas we've started in in 2013. We used to be called HipLead, and uh, we help companies scale their outbound marketing and sales. Um, so we do that in two different ways. One, we provide them with high quality data from our, our lead database, similar to like a Zoom Info or a Clearbit or a Discover Org. So we mm -hmm. built that out. And then we also offer services. We work with companies to help them to identify their, their different audiences, their ICPs, um, mm -hmm. to build out uh, content that's specifically tailored for those ICPs, and then help them to handle all the pieces of outbound. Um, so you know, basically managing their inboxes, getting you know, outreach or a sales loft set up, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and making sure that outbound works as a scalable channel. Um, sure. Yeah, so that's what that's what we do, and we've worked with over 350 SaaS companies over the last, wow. you know, almost eight years. So uh, yeah, I've been around for a while. You've been a you've been a busy guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you uh, you mentioned starting as hip lead, so that, you know, kind of leads me to a question. Um, you you transitioned to personas. You know, was it just a rebrand, or did you was there was it a pivot, or was it a little bit of both? Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe the decision making behind it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it was it was it was a little bit of both. I mean, so um, so we're currently working on a new product. Um, it's at MVP stage. It's it's not quite ready to launch or, or kind of go out there yet. Um, it's in the same space, but but we felt like um, you know obviously lead generation's a super powerful thing and, and whatever every company every b2b company needs um, mm -hmm. it's kind of lifeblood of, of the top of the funnel you need leads um, but what we were focusing on wasn't just the leads the raw leads it was what you did with them and so right on um, the word you know the, the name personas we thought embodied um, really what what we think makes um, you know marketing and sales really tick at the core which is understanding your audience you know, who right. you're selling to, really understanding right. who they are, their pain points, um, what makes them tick. And then once you do that, once you identify them, segment them, you can create content, you can reach them um, in a way that actually appeals to them, that works. Um, so it's yeah. not just about the contact data. It's about who you're contacting and then what they care about and the message that comes with it. So that's kind of at our core, um, our new, our new um, business, and we're not going to you know, shut our business down. We're starting a new business line. Is focused right, right. on is focused on a little bit more on the personas side of things, not just the lead. But uh, right, but we, yeah, yeah, right. That makes no, that makes a ton of sense. And we we certainly, as a business, you know, um, wrestle with what a lot of businesses that serve other businesses wrestle with, and in, in terms of the best way to attack, you know, your market and, and really drive that that top of funnel um, that's going to come through to, to to actual closed deals, right? I mean, um, even as a capital writer, that's something we we wrestle with on, on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Um, around what was the timing on that on that transition? So the funny thing is, we actually we've now kind of changed names. We did a brief pivot to a different name called Sona, um, mm-hmm. and then we realized Sona was confusing. Also, there was um, an adult um, novelty. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's an, there an adult novelty. Um, uh, piece of electronics uh, called right. Sona. If you Google, uh, if you Google, <laughs> you'll, it'll show up. And, and we really, <laughs> we had a year and a half before we launched the new domain. And then the time we launched, we're like, wow, this is a problem. Um, right. So right. That's hilarious. Yeah, That's yeah. hilarious. That's so awesome. We, we quickly switched back to personas, which is what Sona was short for. And we thought it right. Right. We can kind of understand what it does. And I think that's a hallmark of a good brand is that like the name itself, you, you know, people come with a positive concept yeah. that, that kind yeah. of puts them along. Into, into yeah. What you do. So. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, yeah. That's, that's hilarious. Um, you know, some of the other things that I know about your background from, from the little bit of research, cause we, when we were working with you, I didn't, I didn't have a pride of ownership in that particular deal. Um, although we had, you know, a lot of good information on you, obviously. Um, I saw that you came out of Y Combinator and that you, you operate on the, uh, out of the Bay Area. Um, I, I guess, I, what's your take, not necessarily specific to, to Y Combinator, but just those kind of incubator settings and, you know, like most things are a double-edged sword, right? So like, what, what did you like about it? What didn't you, what didn't you like about it? Would you do it again? Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, totally. So, um, now, I was in Y Combinator a while ago now, almost 10 years ago. I was in the mm-hmm. winter 2011 batch. And that was the first batch that actually got like a good amount of money. So mm-hmm. before, in the previous batches to mine, there were small batches. There were 20, 30 companies. Ours was a little bigger, about 50. Mm-hmm. And ours was the first year that, um, you know, before that, I think the company got $17,000 if there were two founders and 23000 if there were four for three months which right. isn't really a lot of money. And they still took 7% of your company. And, um, and then during my batch in the middle of a batch, um, you know, and also that time, like the idea of an incubator was, was known, but it wasn't like incredibly, it wasn't in- incredibly, incredibly new. Um, there were, you know, in, in San Francisco it really wasn't like a, a, t- a tech hub like it is now, you know, it was right. more, you know, Silicon Valley, Santa Clara, San Jose, Sunnyville, mm-hmm. Mountain View, all that. And, um, and so, um, and so, so I used to drive down um, from San Francisco, where I've I've, I've lived for, for ages, with um, you know, but the founders of, of now Hello Sun, which was acquired by Dropbox, the the the, the close IO guys, and then a few other few other folks, other founders, and I had a car, and I was one of the few people that had a car. So <laughs> I had a Mountain View, and, and and it was interesting because. YC at that time made what tried to get everybody to, to move to Mountain View, and we're like, no, we're not moving to Mountain View. We live in San Francisco, like, right. you know, we're not, we're not going. But um, but ended up it was interesting because after that, within a couple of years, Twitter you know built up in San Francisco, and, mm-hmm. and Salesforce took off and, and built their tower, and now San Francisco became the tech hub, um, right. which is kind of interesting and, and drove real estate prices up. <laughs> right, time. right, right. Uh, we saw that. Which I mean, that does kind of lead into another question, which is, you know, I've I've kind of have this longstanding opinion that 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 the Bay Area should almost be like its own asset class because it, it behaves so differently um, than a lot of the other markets. Um, I mean, I'm joking when I say that, but there is some degree of truth to it, right? So, like, talk to me about 
like the process of building a business in one of the most expensive markets in the world? How do you navigate something like that? How do you prioritize expenses? Like, how do you think through that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, one of the things about YC was that like going through YC and that, and that wasn't with personas with a different company called Telfot. Mm-hmm. That company mm-hmm. didn't make it to adulthood. It, that is a, that is a juvenile. Um, but, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I had a lot of good connections, right? And a lot right. of people from YC ended up, you know, living in the Bay Area, staying here. Some moved back wherever they, you know, wherever they came from. Right. Europe, Russia, South America, East Coast, um, right. you know, anywhere. Um, and, uh, but, but so as a result, I had a pretty good network. Um, and so right. I was able, I think that was a pretty good, pretty good asset. I knew, I knew, I knew VCs, I knew angel investors, I knew founders, I knew successful founders. And I think that, that is a major advantage. I think that, um, you know, at least, um, at least in that time period, say when I, when I, I kind of started personas around late 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. and that's when the market started heating up the tech, you know, the tech right. market, the tech money really started getting going. 2011, it right. It wasn't super easy to raise capital. It wasn't as hard as it was in 2010, right after the real estate crash. But right. It was still three right. Months that period. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, then Twitter and, and the new sort of social media stuff was what the core of kind of driving all that. And mobile, right. Apple, right. the phone had just kind of come out around that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Seems like an attorney to go, doesn't yeah, it? I know. It's crazy, right? I could um, not imagine living without my smartphone right now. And I was so opposed to them when they first came out. It's my old man DNA, right? Totally. <laughs> all I need to do is make a phone call. I don't need to do all this other stuff. <laughs> Embracing technology. What can I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, right. you know, and I, right. I still, I, I have an SE. So I have it, I'm like, everyone looks at it and like, wow, are you using a five? I'm like, no, I have an SE. I like the small. Like, yep. Um, I'm in in full disclosure. I'm, I'm, I'm resentfully buying a new phone this week. Oh yeah. uh, Cause I'm on a, I'm on a Samsung and it's an S seven and it's, it's so, it's so painfully slow. I takes me like eight, it takes me like eight minutes to pull up my directions. I I finally had to throw in the towel when I got lost this weekend. It's, it's happening. Um, no, I listen, I, like I said, we, we mean, we deal with a lot of companies that are on the, on the West coast as, as well as throughout the rest of the country. But you know, the Bay Area is a tough one because that you know the, the demands on the on the expense line are are, are heavy and, and so it kind of creates this environment where you know it creates I mean VC it, as an asset class is kind of generally speaking a swing for the fences type model right and, yeah. and that that market in particular it seems to be on on ten right just because if for no other reason that revenue's got to catch up with expenses so you you got you got to go hard or go home right. Um, so fast forwarding a little bit, because obviously the last few months have been challenging for everybody for, for obvious reasons with COVID and whatnot. And, and we've certainly gone through our adjustments as a business have, and we've been watching the 200 plus businesses we support as they kind of try to navigate this unprecedented time. Um, so some simple questions for you. Were you able to take, take advantage of, of PPP or EIDL or any of the stimulus that was available? Yeah, we were. We were able to do uh, PPP loans, which were which were great. Um, yeah, definitely helped us out. Um, yeah, and and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to get those all 100 percent loans. Right. Um, right. So still working through that. Um, right. We actually built a website um, kind of early on during COVID that aggregated all the deals because there were there were a lot of resources for founders, and we sell primarily our our business sells primarily to that. 
And so we put together a repo of all the resources, the discounts, temporary discounts that were given uh, during sure. COVID to startups. Um, and we aggregated it and built a mini site. That was kind of oh, our wow. first thing we built. We had, you know, like yep. 250 plus deals and, you know, uh, we use our scrapers. We have a lot of like web crawlers and data processing technology and, and we use that to kind of build the site. And it was pretty cool because, you know, um, we not only helped other startups um, that were, you know, looking for, looking for ways to like, Hey, like my revenues, you know, a lot of companies said well, their revenue was tanking. And so they were right. like, well, what can we do to, 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 to put our name out there in a way that doesn't cost a lot of ad dollars or, 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 sure. or, or human capital to do. And, and so yeah. that helped out. And then it also was a good way, you know, to, to, to kind of, um, you know, just to, just to, you know, use our resources to show people to, what just to contribute. Right. I mean, yeah. it, there was that moment where you realized, Oh my God, nobody's going to make it out of this thing unscathed. And yeah. to some degree, the only way we're going to survive is if we, you know, <laughs> collectively come together and figure out a way to navigate this. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been tough. I mean, you know, we saw some businesses take some direct hits, you know, and servicing hospitality or events or that sort of thing. And, and it was almost immediate and, you know, so we saw a really big cut that, that more or less got, you know, caught up in the macroeconomic conditions and just trying to figure out how to navigate that. But to the stimulus, I think we saw that, you know, I think 80 plus percent of the companies we support were able to access, you know, some form of stimulus and it had a material impact to their runway. Right. And, oh, yeah. and so I think it served its purpose there. Um, we talked a little bit about the challenges of operating out of the Bay Area. You'd mentioned something before that I think it gets missed a lot of times with um, entrepreneurs when they're in the weeds all the time. And that's that those car rides down down south with with those other with those other founders that 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 fellowship component. Uh, I, I think we get in our own little bubbles and, and we forget there's a big world out there and can you speak to kind of how, like, I mean, you said you built some great relationships that you still have, and it sounds like some of those have been really successful outcomes for those people. Can you talk a little bit about that process yeah. and what those relationships meant to you? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, you know, a lot of, you know, when you're in like an accelerator or incubator, like YC, it's sort of like a, you know, you're in there for three months, all you do is work, you know, like 18 yeah. hours a day and we get right. all that. It's a little bit of a, you know, it's like, it's like going to, you know, you know, college or, you know, mm -hmm. short -term sort of speed college with people. Um, yeah. And also accelerators also help because, you know, you, they work because not only do you give people back in a faster way. So a company that's testing something out can get a bunch of testers and get actual real feedback a lot faster. So you mm -hmm. end up being able to go to people and ask them for feedback, advice, and help, um, whether or not they're an expert in a certain field or just another, another founder or someone that works at that company. So, so it, the way, especially YC was built, it was designed so that you could learn faster. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's really a major value. I think that's probably one of the biggest, the biggest values of YC is that like right. the community still exists to the point where you can be like, hey, I have this idea or I have this thing. Can, can someone give me advice on it? People will reach out and give you advice. And that is really helpful. I actually, you know, and also there's a lot of early, a lot of the early stage things that, that, I, were, that I was doing were kind of in person or involved in certain things there was like a i would go to meetups all the time like coffee meetups right. i did there was a thing that was um called startup weekend i don't think it's still going anymore but that was going from like 2009 to like 2012 or something like that and that was a weekend when you got together with people and tried to build a startup 
Um, right. And all those things are, are really awesome, really valuable, are, are ways that like, you know, young founders that don't have a community can, can build it. And I think there are, there are ways of doing that now online um, that make it a lot easier to, to you don't physically have to meet up. You, you, can, you can do these things remotely and, and sure. have quality um, engagements and, and yep. uh, for people learn for people that need to raise money, at least it is easier to do a bunch of video calls with people. <laughs> yeah, is. yeah, to some degree. Yeah. You, you, I, I, uh, we, we, we operate at pace, so you know, while I do get that, you know, face to face time, more often than not, I, I go through the deal process, you know, via video or phone or both, yeah. right? And and uh, you know, it, I look, we, I think we all have to embrace what's going on right now and, and find ways to be efficient. And, yeah. Um, at least that's what I'm working on. Um, no, th thank you so much for sharing that. So I wanted to maybe get into a little bit different area here. Um, listen, I, I think, you know, everybody loves to hear success stories, right? But I think one of the things I noticed about your background is you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur and you even alluded to it earlier that, you know, you had some failures. Um, I'm a big believer in failing forward. I, I like to say it, if, 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 if you're only concerned with being right, you're probably not going to be very successful. Don't put being right over being, you know, you got to move and course correct and, and that sort of thing. So <clears throat> I am curious to hear about some of those early failures and how those are, how those inform your, your thinking now. Like, here's a question for you. Biggest professional flop, like just like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Is there anything that comes to mind? I mean, um, think about this i mean it's a tough one right? well i mean my i mean my first my first couple of startups were, were major flops i just did, didn't know what i was doing right um, one was in the apartment space and um you know i, I was you know I, I was kind of following kind of leading startup mentality and mm -hmm. I, was, I ended up getting to a space that was pure enterprise sales and mm -hmm. i had never really done enterprise sales and right. I ended up chasing down this one whale client for like six months. They were they they were in the real estate space. They were based in Seattle, right. uh, and so I flew up there like, man, like seven or eight times to have meetings with their operation lead, <laughs> and it was just a total waste of my time. You know? Right, um, right. But I think I think in general the biggest the biggest challenges that most people have are usually like figuring out how to find the right people to work with oftentimes right. can be, can be that part of it. Yep. And yep. I went, you know, I, I definitely went through a fair share of, of, um, of kind of issues finding, you know, you know, being like a not super technical, you know, founder. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I mean, I know, I know my way around stuff and I can, I can code to three, but I'm not, it's not my forte. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, that's always, that's always a big challenge. And so finding that fit can be, can be a struggle and, and can be, you can find people that are a great fit that they work for you right then. And, right. Um, you know, and so I, you know, I definitely worked with some, some, a lot of outsourced development agencies over the years that just mm -hmm. like, weren't a great fit um, mm -hmm. at all. I didn't, you yeah. know, I didn't, didn't understand how to define the scope of the projects very well. Right. right. And, but I learned that, you know, I, I yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I talk about that. Like, you know, if you're going to offshore your dev, your spec has to be, it just has to be spot on. Cause you're not, you know, one, they don't have the emotional connection to the project. Right. Like, like you do. And, and two, you know, they're just, they're not paid for creativity, right. They're, they're paid to execute on a, on a specific thing. And so if you, if you're not very detailed in what it is you expect, as soon as they hit a wall, 
you know, it's, it's, it's not gonna, you know, you're gonna run into trouble, which it sounds like that may have been, might have been something to do with that. I burned, I burned through $30,000 in AWS credits um, because one of the offshore devs left um, this RDS, it's like an Amazon RDS thing, mm -hmm. you know, it was a, and then, and then a very big server on unnecessarily after they processed some data, they forgot to turn it off and I didn't check. So it just burned through 30K <laughs> at a time when I really, oh. really needed that money. And that, that was probably my, I was the most angry and, and disappointed. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, in retrospect, when you think about your process, right? Cause I mean, you, you got back up and you figured something out and you're, you're, you're driving success now. Like, I mean, for me, those are all the, those are the fondest memories, right? I, to some degree, like, yeah, I, you know, I've had, I had some stuff blow up on me, like in miraculous fashion and they're fun yeah. stories to tell when you're, you know, when you're a decade or so removed from them at the time, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's something completely different. So I'm, you know, we, we don't have a ton of time left, but I, I did want to kind of get into, you know, have you done much mentoring or do you, like at, at this point? And, or if you haven't, like, if somebody does approach you about, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this and they're a first time go around type person, like, what are some of those nuggets you, you give them, um, you know, to help them get out of the gate strong, if at all? Totally. I mean, um, yeah, I, I end up kind of like talking to, to, to a lot of people about kind of starting startups, so just people kind of, mm -hmm. you know, come to me or yeah. friends or, or friends, mm -hmm. friends or whatever. And it kind of depends on what stage they're, they're at. Um, sure. And really early stage companies are when people have ideas and sort of mm -hmm. early versions of it. Um, mm -hmm. My, the thing that I really tell them that's been successful for us is, is how to, how to do a good sort of market research and, and kind of product development process. Cause that was something that I mm -hmm. learned um, later on that really, really, really helped us. Mm -hmm. um, be, really before defining, really before trying to build anything, uh, yeah. especially if you're non-technical, Mm -hmm. um, instead of trying to hire someone and trying or trying to learn the technical piece, um, do a really good job in, in defining the problem and validating that problem. So, um, you know, anyone can go out and get meetings with people and interview them in it. And if, if they follow a rigid sort of process, they can get over a month, 50 or hundred meetings with people in their defined audience in their ICP and ask yeah. them serious questions and then come down with, with a, you know, either a confirmation that this pain doesn't exist in this audience or some idea around something they should build. And, yep. and I think doing a process like that, um, a customer development process that's, that's, it costs almost nothing if you do it yourself. Um, right. You end up usually with getting customers out of it because you end up finding people that identify around pain points if you're going to go yep. build for it. Um, yep. And it's, it's also teaches you to listen to your customers. Mm -hmm. Even before you start building, a lot of people are like, Hey, I know this problem. I'm going to go build it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I know this and, and yeah, maybe sometimes people will, that maybe they have a really good insight to an area that's a major pain point and, and they don't really need to talk to anyone else about it. But more often than not, you know, people start companies and found things because they're, they're passionate about something they, and, and they're willing to take a risk. And yeah. so, you know, when you take a risk, you don't look at things the same way as everyone else. You see an opportunity where other people see risks. And so you have to be able to sort of like, take off that like hat of like idea and potential, put it on the side and then say like, okay, does this actually make sense? Does this, does this plan, does this, you know, does this thing that I'm thinking about actually make sense? And sort of, so you, you put on your like possibility sort of hat 
and your, mm -hmm. your potential and, and the thing that motivates you as a founder. And you need to be able to take that off and then you need to set the thing down and you need to analyze it and, 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 be, tr and be sort of truthful in your analysis to yourself. Um, yep. And that's the hardest thing. I think that's the, the hardest thing for a relatively early stage company to do is to, is to choose what you go after, to limit what you're going to do, and then to make sure what you're going after does have that initial, um, you know, launching pad or, or, or link to, to something that people are going to want to buy or use. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes, it makes total sense. I, and I've seen that play out in, in several settings. Um, yeah. I, I just, it's almost funny to me how, um, how frequently businesses will not tap the, the one resource they have an abundance of, which is a, a, this is amazing user base that can give them all the feedback in the world to drive where they, what they prioritize. Um, and somehow that, that gets missed sometimes. So more often than I'd, I'd like to acknowledge, but uh, no, that's, that's super helpful. I, I guess another question for you and, and it's unrelated. Um, you know, I, I, I think COVID is, is highlighted a lot of things. And, and one of those things I think is leadership, right. And, and, um, I think it's something that gets talked about. Um, I don't think it's something that people necessarily study, you know, um, a lot. Uh, but I am, I am curious about, you know, kind of over the last few months, you know, where have the, cha where have the leadership challenges come from? And, you know, and if, are you leaning on things that you believed in before this? Or were you put in a place where you had to take on some new philosophy, if you will, what's that process been like for you? Cause I think, I think it's something that doesn't get talked about a lot about right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's tough times right now out there. Um, you know, you know, we're, we're lucky enough to work with, with a broad spectrum of, of companies that are, that are on the, on the B2B side um, mm -hmm. of things. Um, and as some of them, you know, are in industries that are very, very, very affected. You know, if they supply mm -hmm. corporations and offices with things, they're, in trouble. Um, yeah. If you're probably doing recruiting, you're probably hurting right now. If yeah. you're, you know, in travel, all that. And so, yeah. um, but the biggest thing is, is at the end of the day, is um, that at least our our kind of challenges are really is is getting back, and I think going back to our, our kind of core tenants, um, mm -hmm. and and rather than trying to find a new thing, I think I think oftentimes crises or or difficult situations can can help distill things, can make things yeah. simpler, right? Because yeah. you can say, all right, well, this stuff really isn't that important. We need to either survive or we need to um, really look for the opportunity in it. And I think that, um, I think that, that companies that, that, that will come out of this, there's going to be some luck involved, of course, but there's also going to be a lot of companies that will, can, can understand how to, how to focus on, on the important thing and, and yeah. push, push the least, least important things out of the way. And, and I think communicating that to your organization, if you're, if you're a founder or your CEO or CFO or CTO or whatever you're doing, um, communicating that's really, really important. Being able to get out there and, and say like, hey, th this is what's important to us. Um, here's the landscape, here's what's changing, here's how this is gonna impact us. And then being able to like kind of lay that out and communicate that clearly to your team in a way that they, that they understand it. Um, solidifies has you know has solidified team unity and, sure. and has, has really helped um people uh to uh you know at least our organization to to kind of come together um, now were you was yours was yours a um no thank you was yours a um were you like a partially distributed workforce or was everybody coming into the office before this like logistically how were things disrupted for you yeah we were, we were partially distributed and then that's one of the things that like 
I think is interesting with a company based in San Francisco that's bootstrapped for, you know, or, you know, it's loans mm -hmm. and all that hasn't taken on, you know, venture capital. We have our management, you know, our founders here, uh, product people here, marketing here, some sales here, and then the rest of the team is distributed all over the U S and all over the world. Um, and, and that's, that's been great. You know, we have like eight people usually in SF. Um, yeah. It has been a little hard, you know, um, you know, we're, you know, we're taking a lot of expenses and not using, um, sure. and it was difficult to communicate it initially with people. I think, but I think people have, have gotten used to it and, and, you know, compared to people, teams that were like, had no distribution, much, much harder, much harder. But we already yeah. had processes in place and we worked from home at least one day a week. We had, you know, task management systems and, and, and communication. We were all very much remote ready um, mm. as an organization partially remote. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a, I think that's a great strategy for, for developing in, in, and also for developing, if you're going to start a company in a really expensive market, like, yeah. you know, um, yeah. that, that you can do something like that. You can, you can hire people from, uh, you can use the connections you have um, if you're selling large organizations that are in those areas and then, and then leverage, um, leverage the talent that's all over the world. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, once again, I think it's just one of those things that got accelerated as a function of COVID. I think these are all these kind of remote working, remote learning trends were already at play and maybe on a call it three to five year trajectory and they got they got immediately accelerated into a right now type of thing. Right. Um, but I mean, we've certainly you know, I went to the office every day. I actually enjoyed the process of like getting up. I'm a, I'm a fun. I'm a, I'm a yeah, creature right. habit. And I just, you know, I just, I love that. I love that routine. And I love feeling like I'm being part of the world. So this has been a big adjustment for me, just kind of being in the house and the time with the family has been awesome. Um, I can't remember the last time I got to spend so much time with my daughters, but I don't know how, I don't know how grateful they are for that, but I certainly have, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it's just, but I, you know, I never used video before. Like, even if like I'd put it on, if somebody put it on on the other side, but I'm like, ready to connect with people now like on video like you know i just i'm just yearning for that and uh but you know it's tough i mean you know if you've been through any sort of right sizing or you know i mean like things that will chip away at you know morale and you know how do you maintain that that you know that connectedness if you will um you know when you're not able to do it in the ways that you have traditionally um but it sounds like you guys are already down that road so maybe not as disruptive for you um Listen, I, I know you got, I know you got a lot going on and, um, and so I don't want to hold you up for too long, but, um, yeah. I, I guess any, any parting words of wisdom for the, for the world out there, the young and hungry. Yeah. I mean, for so I think <laughs> I'm always, a you know, you know, at least one of the, one of the interesting, you, you earlier were speaking about one of the harder things that we went through and, and my very first co-founder and I ended, ended up going our separate ways early on the company and he was like the technical yep. co-founder, right? So I tried to merge with another company. I tried to do all these different things. I found that consulting firm that, that fell apart and all that. Right. And then I ended up actually um, just kind of looking for options, looking for other things. Um, I actually ended up working with you with Lighter Capital during that time period and, and took a loan. Yeah. Used that loan to hire a really talented VP of engineering. Um, and he's now my co-founder. It ended up working out. He's a, he's an amazing guy. And so I think a lot of things that, that, you know, when you're at a, when you're in a corner, I think the, the biggest thing is to, is to, is to keep going is, is to, is to keep fighting and then yep. look for, look for options that you wouldn't have thought of. Right. Yep. Um, I was always thought like, you know, and, 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 and look for options you may have not considered, um, yeah. kind of 
be willing to take those those risks and change the way you think a little bit and yeah and they'll pay off yeah no i couldn't agree more sometimes you get so like tunnel vision on what you thought was the best solution to a particular problem and the answer is like right under your chin and you don't even see it right and uh, i've certainly been guilty of that myself uh, maybe more than i'd like to admit um well, listen, um, once again, very much appreciative of the time and, and, and the information and just the sharing. Um, you know, uh, I do have one final question for you and you kind of kind of made me think about it when we talked about taking money is, is really just kind of your experience and, and, and your attitude towards raising capital at this point. Obviously you use debt with us and, and we're a little biased in, in terms of using debt to raise it, but you did it, you moved on. I'm working on the assumption that maybe you did some other things with regard to the balance sheet um, and potentially the cap table. And as much as you're comfortable sharing your experience and how to use debt versus equity and kind of what, what, what's the difference between those two things? Cause I think they're both applicable, but yeah. just understanding when to use them. Right. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. We, we still haven't, we, we, you know, we've taken on a little friends and family, but not really um, significant, um, significant equity. Um, so it's impressive being in the Bay area. It's not yeah. an easy thing to do. No, it, you know, I probably wouldn't do the same thing again if I, <laughs> if I did it now, looking back at it. Right. Um, <laughs> but, right. Uh, but I think, I think the main thing is just to be really, um, one of the things that we did was we were always focused on profitability from day one and, yep. and being able to structure your relationships with your buyers in a way that you show value up front, you mm -hmm. charge up front, and then you deliver, but you have to deliver. Yep. And yep. so that, that's really been our recipe for bootstrapping is show and prove value up front, give value away, yep. charge up front after you've proven, and then mm -hmm. deliver and exceed. And and that that's it. If, if, that's if awesome. Are, yeah. And then that's that's really the only way I know how to, <laughs> how to do it. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I think that's what people do when they have to get scrappy, um, either because VC is not an option for them or they're just, you know, they just are scrappy by their nature. Um, I think coming out of this, capital efficiency is going to take on a, a level of weight that it hasn't had for, for maybe the last five or 10 years. Um, because I, I, I mean, I think to some degree, the success stories are not going to be growth, at least not in 2020, it's going to be, yeah. you know, did you maintain, right? And how did you maintain? And what was your, what were your decisions with regard to your expenses and what you prioritized and how did you navigate an unprecedented macroeconomic condition, you know, and potentially come out on, on the other side of it better? And because yeah. most businesses, unless you're in a space like e-learning or you know, med tech or something that's seeing a little bit of a bump as a result of what's going on right now, most businesses are going to have to tell a story that does not include growth, right? Um, and, you know, capital efficiency is going to be that next thing they can latch on to. So awesome words of uh, wisdom to, to uh, pass yeah. on. It's kind of parting comments. Uh, listen, once again, appreciate the time. Yeah. Cheers to you. Cheers. Be well, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you it. Bet. You bet. All right, bye.